listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. What a guy, man. Like, that's what, that's, that's what best friends do. You know, they just look out for one another. They, they, they hype you up. We all need a hype man, right? We need that. Um, man, what a guy. Such, Brandon's such a cool dude. Uh, I know some of you are probably looking at me a, a little weird this morning. I will confess that actually, believe it or not, that was me uh, dressed up as Brandon. Uh, he said I could do that, by the way. Uh, he was going to do it, but I said I could do one better, obviously. Uh, but yeah, Brandon's not here. Uh, he, he's away on vacation uh, or visiting family back in Florida for a wedding, and um, it's, it's cool that he asked me to, uh, him and Pastor David, allow me to be here to speak to you guys this morning and to dive into God's Word together. So it's a privilege and an honor. Um, but there's a reason why I did that video, because I want to ask you this question this morning. Uh, as individual believers and as a church, uh, have you ever pretended to be someone you're not? Uh, maybe indirectly or directly, or maybe found yourself identifying as someone else that you're not supposed to be, like, just like I did with Brandon. Uh, I asked Brandon if I could share this story, because I feel like when he's up here, he always shares these, like, stories about myself that may not always be completely true. Uh, may paint me in a bad light sometimes. So I, I have to tell you this story about Brandon. So many of y'all know I grew up with Brandon in Florida. We grew up in the same small town. And uh, same grade, we graduated high school together, um, class of 04, yeah. Uh, but anyways, so we grew up in this town, but we didn't really hang out with the same friends. See, I was kind of uh, in a different friend group than Brandon was. If you knew Brandon in high school, uh, he was very straight-laced. He, he was taking AP classes in middle school. Like he was just, you know, with this, with this group of friends, he tucked in his shirt every single day of his life. He looked like an Abercrombie and Fitch model every day, you know, walking around. And I was kind of just the opposite. I was, you know, I just wasn't AP classes. I, I, I hung out with more of the athletic kids. I was just kind of who, who I identified with, if you will. Um, but we became friends in, in about 10th grade. We took a class together, and we became really close friends and started hanging out. Well, part of us hanging out was I was always going over to Brandon's house. See, Brandon's dad was one of the associate pastors at, at the church that I started attending in high school. And so Brandon lived on the church grounds. And part of Brandon's job in high school was to help clean the church and help clean up uh, and do things around the church to earn some money and things like that. Um, and so I'd, I'd go over there and, and hang out with Brandon, but his dad always put me to work as well. But I never got paid, but Brandon did. But that's a whole different story. But I remember we had this, this old gym that we really didn't use anymore, but it was like uh, there was still, it was like carpet where you played basketball on it. It was weird, I know. But uh, it was like this old gym, and we'd go in there and have fun and hang out. Well, part of Brandon's job was cleaning this gym. Uh, but the the crazy thing about this old gym was sometimes you'd be playing, all of a sudden, these bats would just come flying from out of the ceiling and, like, flying overhead, and we'd be, like, chunking basketballs out of them and stuff, right? And uh, I can't, I'll never forget, Brandon called me one day and was like, bro, you never believe what just happened. I was like, dude, what's, what's going on, man? And remember, Brandon's straight-laced, like, awesome Christian guy, like, loves the Lord, like, walks it out, like, everyone looks up to Brandon, still do, um, and he said, Man, I walked into this bathroom I was cleaning, and I looked in the sink, and there was like a, a group of baby bats in this sink, okay? Creepy, right? <laughs> like, 
and Brandon, if you know him, he, he's not an outdoorsman kind of guy. So I said, dude, what did you do? Because I, I know you didn't touch them, right? Like I know, I don't know, what did you just turn the water on? What did you do? And he, he said, man, I put him in a trash bag, okay? Now don't call Peter right now. I'm just this, I'm confessing for Brandon, but he, he puts them in the trash bag. I was like, dude, first of all, that's, that's harsh, okay? You're babies, right? And I said, well, then what'd you do? He's like, man, I took him outside, and they were like, I could see him still moving, like breathing in the bag. And so I, like, I had to put him out of their misery. I was like, bro, what did you do? He said, man, I went and picked up a cinder block. <laughs> dropped them on these baby bats. So immediately, I mean, I'm, my, in my mind, Brandon is up here, and I immediately think that's like serial killer status, right? Like... <laughs> That's some serious, like, psychological, something is wrong with this guy. So I kind of, like, I always have to keep my guard up when I'm around Brandon after that because he was a savage. I didn't even know, right? Like, this dude was crazy. And so that, I always love that memory because when Brandon tells us, he, he probably would be super embarrassed. I, mean, I did ask him if I could share that story. I didn't just share it. But I know he's not, that's not his proudest moment in life. He didn't put that on his resume when he applied here, I promise you. But... But it got me thinking, like, Brandon, I'm sure identified in Christ, and, and, and what I identified him as this follower of Christ, but I saw a whole new picture of him. And I think it was more indirect, but I don't think it was he directly chose, I'm going to go kill some bats today, right? I think it was um, life happens. And so sometimes we indirectly identify as someone that we're not, okay? And so this morning as a church, I want us to be reminded of what our true identity is in Christ, all right? Um, I want us to remind ourselves of, of who we are and really understand and get that picture because I believe that's what really is going to help you in your walk with the Lord. And as we're going to see later, it's going to help others as well, okay? Like outsiders, like people who aren't believers, people who aren't in the church, okay? I, I want to take a minute and pray real quick. First, I need prayer. So pray for me uh, preaching up here. Um, but I want you to, everyone you can go ahead and just close your eyes. I want to spend a minute leaning in to what the Lord is going to do this morning. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask God right now to reveal whatever it is in your life that you may be identifying with more than Jesus. And that's maybe something you put your most time, your most effort, your most money into. Maybe it's something that if, if it was taken away or if it, if, if it was no more, your life would be in shambles. I want you to ask God what that is. Ask him to reveal that to you this morning. God, I thank you for an opportunity to, to be here and to dig into your word. I pray um, that you would speak this morning, that you would remove me and that you would... Uh, speak through your word, and that your word would fall on fertile soil. I pray for uh, this church and myself. God, whatever uh, identities in our life that we are chasing after or serving, that, that, that is not you. I pray that you would reveal that to us. You would help us repent. God, and you would help us move on from those things. And that ultimately, God, as we hear from your word this morning, that we would um, find ourselves more in love with you, and that we would find our true identity in your son Jesus this morning. And as we do that, God, I pray that you would be with us. So 
We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for Jesus. We praise things in his name. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. Thank you for praying for me. Uh, I'll think of an illustration to begin this morning uh, of, of where we're going. And uh, if you maybe college student in here, if you've been listening to Brandon preach for a while, if you've been in here for the last three weeks listening to Brandon preach, I need to go ahead and apologize to you because I've been lo- I was looking for this illustration. I-, I looked all over the internet. I scoured the interwebs, right? I was thinking, uh, man, w- what can I do to kind of pick- give a picture of where we're going this morning? What's a good illustration? I kept coming back to this one illustration. And so I need to apologize to y'all if you've been here and Brandon preach, um, but there's a scene from The Office, okay? <laughs> and in this if you've never seen The Office, there's, there's two main characters. Uh, you have uh, Dwight Schrute, one of the best characters in any television history, um, just obviously. And then there's uh, Jim Halpert. Now, they have a unique relationship and a unique friendship in, in, in this show. But Jim, um, he's kind of like myself. He likes to play pranks on Dwight. And so one day, um, he knows how to really push Dwight's buttons. And so one day, he comes in, and he is dressed exactly like Dwight Schrute. So he has like the yellow button-up shirt with the, the red-looking tie with the glasses with the hair parted in the middle. Uh, looks dead like Dwight. Comes in. Their computers, their desks face each other. And so he's just facing Dwight. And he sits down, puts on his glasses, and he starts like talking, right? And so Dwight's like kind of looking at him, figuring things out. And then he asks Dwight um, <laughs> the infamous line, he, you know, uh, which bear is better? And, and of course Dwight's like, that's, you know, it's debatable. I don't know. And he says, black bear. He's like, you know, that's, that, that's debatable. And he's, then he's like, well, bears eat beets. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica, right? So he, he, he's impersonating Dwight to a T. So then Dwight starts picking up on what he's doing. And he gets really mad because Dwight's like this really just, um, just straight-laced kind of person. And so he picks up what Jim's doing and he stands up and he hollers at him this famous quote. He says, identity theft is not a joke, Jim. Millions of families suffer every year. <laughs> and of course, Jim says, Michael, and like runs off, right? Which is what Dwight always does. And you know what? He's right. I mean, that is true. That does happen. Um, don't answer an email to a Nigerian prince or anything like that. But um, I believe in the church. I believe millions or a lot of Christians, if you will, in the church we don't suffer from identity theft. I, I, I really believe we, we, uh, we're not victims of identity theft, but rather we're perpetrators. We're committers uh, of identity theft. And we look more like the world sometimes than we do like Jesus. And so that's where I want to look at this morning, uh, this, this title, Identity Theft. I want us to find our true identity in Christ, find out who we were created to be, Find out what that means and then what that means for us as believers and the rest of the world. So that, that, that's where we're going this morning. Because I truly believe, if, as Brendan mentioned last week, if we're going to put a dent in the darkness as a church, as individual believers, we have to really understand the weight and what this means to find our true identity in Christ. Because that's going to propel us to live for him. Okay? Um, I read of a, of a story of an Iranian couple who, who moved here, a Christian couple, and uh, they ended up just moving back to Iran. And here's what, here's what this wife said to this pastor. I was reading what this pastor said. This wife said this. They were living here in the States, and they said, there is a satanic lullaby here. All the Christians are sleepy, and I'm feeling sleepy. And so they moved back to Iran, 
to pursue Christ and, and to live for Christ. And I was like, ouch, wow. And I have to believe that's so true, especially here in, this, in the Bible Belt. I believe that the church can kind of get in this cruise control and we can be sleepy at the will and we kind of just go and look like the world because it's easy. And that's not what we are called to do. That's not what we are created to do. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. Our task is simple. Here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to kind of give you a roadmap of this morning. We're going to look at um, a few, I'll say a few, uh, five or six passages of Scripture that kind of lays out who we are in Christ. And we're not going to spend a lot of time in those. I'm just going to give those to you. You can write them down. Maybe go home later with your family, look those up together, and kind of go through what, what, what they talk about. But I'm just going to build up what Scripture says is our identity in Christ, what that looks like. And then we're going to look at an example in Scripture of someone who lived with their identity in Christ at the center of their life and what that looked like and how, that, how we can look at that example. Okay? Everybody with me? Everybody good? Yeah. Come on, y'all. We're good. All right. So um, the best place to start when you're we're talking about identity first is to understand that the world does not define our identity. Okay? The world will never define our identity. Our identity has already been defined by God. Okay? The first thing I want us to see, if you're, if you're, if you're, you don't have to turn here, but best place to start is in the, the creation account in Genesis. Genesis 126 and 127, God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let's pause right there. You already, first, what's really cool is you already see the Trinity at work. God says, let us God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, make man in our image after our own likeness. And he goes on in verse 27 to say, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Okay? So if you think about Jesus, he has always been the physical image, the physical manifestation of God the Father from, from eternity past to eternity future. Jesus has always been the physical image of God. Okay? In Philippians 2, it, it, Paul talks about how Jesus didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and took the form of a servant, which ultimately had joy in going to the cross for. So Jesus came to the place of a servant for us to have an example of what we should image ourselves after, after Jesus. That is our identity. And so what we really get from this in Genesis, though, and, and this is really cool, and this is cool, awesome for us to really understand this, is that we are the pinnacle of God's creation. God has given us a, a mind, a, a will, a soul that he didn't give every, anything else, not even angels. We are the pinnacle of God's creation. Man is a living being that's capable of embodying God's communi communicable attributes. Okay? As we're going to see in a little bit, that we are image bearers of God to the world. That's how God created us. So because we are made in God's image, our identity is in Christ alone, not anything else. Okay, everybody got that? It's a good little foundation to start with to understand um, that not, we're not like special, but God created you unique from anything else. And we have a unique relationship with God the Father through Jesus, okay? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, one of my favorite passages, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, behold, the new is coming. So not only are we pinnacles of God's creation, we are a new creation. This is for believers. So when you become a believer at the point of you repenting and at the point of God putting his spirit in you, 
He makes you a new creation, all right? And, and it, or what we call regeneration, or the New Testament calls a new birth. So which, this, simply what this means is, we, the old is gone, behold, the new has come. So the old Richard, before I became a believer in Christ, I had, all these, I had a different mindset, right? I loved my sin. I didn't know this, but I was, I was an enemy of God. I hated God by the way I lived my life. When God saved me, he made me a new creation. So the old Richard was gone. And so now I have a new perspective on life. I have a new outlook. I have conviction. I have the Holy Spirit in me, giving me boldness. I see my friends in a different light. I see my family in a different light. I see my job in a different light. I don't, I don't view those things the same way anymore because of the gospel and because of what Christ has done in my life. And that's important for us to, to really remember and to pause and think about because it's so vital and detrimental to our spiritual walk personally, but also to other uh, people who, who need to hear the gospel. Okay? So I'm going to throw out, quickly, I'm going to throw out a couple more verses, and then we're going to land in the passage, but I want to give you some more real quick, so just be ready to write these down. So, in our new identity in Christ, and this is for believers, so if you have given your life to Christ, so our identity is in Christ, that's very important to, to, to understand. Romans 6, 6 tells us that we are no longer slaves to sin anymore because of Christ. We're slaves, we can be slaves to righteousness. Tony preached on this for our summer night's lock-in, did an awesome job with it. Uh, so we, before we knew Christ, Ephesians 2, as Brandon just went through, we were dead in our sin. We loved our sin. We were slaves to our sin. We didn't know anything else but sin. But when Christ came in, in verse 4, Ephesians 2, he makes us alive together with Christ. He gives us his righteousness. So now we see our sin in a different light. There's conviction. There's, there's the test. We, we don't want to do those things anymore because Christ has changed our, our outlook and our life. We're a new creation. He's changed our heart. We're no longer slaves to sin. We can become slaves to righteousness. And this is, and Romans 5.10 tells us because we have been reconciled to God, meaning that God has made a way for us to be right in a right relationship with him through Jesus. So because of what Jesus did, we're not no longer enemies of him, of, of God, but now we're, we're friends. We, we're in a right relationship. We've been reconciled. That's what Romans 5.10 tells us. And this is important because this new identity it completely changes the way uh, we, we view our relationship, not only with God, but with our families. It changes the way we see the world, or it should, right? Let's keep, let, me, let me give you some more. Our new identity in Christ means not, uh, we have the same relationship with God that Christ has, okay? We are his children. God has adopted us as sons and daughters. We are able to call him Abba, Father, and that's all in Romans 8. 15 and 16, also in the, in, in the beginning of Ephesians. We've been adopted as sons and daughters of the king. This is who we are as believers. We are both joint heirs with Christ because of salvation. That's what Galatians 3.29 tells us. We are friends of Christ, John 15, 15. And this relationship that we have, and I tell this to my high school students all the time, the relationship that we have with one another and with God is stronger than we have with any of our earthly families. And that's in Matthew 10, 35 through 37. We have more in common with people I don't know across the world who are believers because we are in Christ together. We identify as Christians than I do with family members who aren't in Christ. Okay? Under the banner of, and, you, and because Jesus has united us together with the gospel and because of what he did for us. So because of this identity in Christ, instead of fearing God as a judge, we have the great privilege of coming to him as our father. Hebrews 4.16 says we can approach him with confidence. 
And we can ask him uh, and, and ask for help in time of need, what Hebrews 4.16 tells us. It, it reminds me of a Tim, Tim Keller quote. He says this. He says, the only person who dares wakes a king up at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. And we have that access with, with God. Whatever life circumstances you're going through, whatever deep valley you may be in, it doesn't matter where you're at. You can cry out to God and we can have confidence through what Jesus has done because we are in Christ that God will meet us where we're at. He'll listen and we can draw near to the throne and ask for grace and help in time of need. And that is good. Amen? That's who we are. We identify in Christ. That is our true identity as believers. A couple more things. James 1.5 says we can ask for his guidance, his wisdom. We have his Holy Spirit indwelling uh, in, in, in us. And then Romans 8.38-39 tells us that nothing will ever separate us or take us away from him or that love. Those two words, in Christ, have so much significance. And, if, and, and it's, it's important for us to really understand and to really see that. You are holy, righteous, redeemed child of the King. And it's important for us to really, really understand that, okay? All right, now, real quickly, we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to give us an example of someone who actually lived this out as their true identity in Christ and what that looks like, okay? As, as Brandon preached last week, uh, his, his sermon title, if you will, was learning from a bro, so learning from, from Paul's life, how we can live as Christians. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of keep that same mindset this week. And so we're going to look at uh, a pastor where Paul is, is talking about um, his accomplishments and his worldly identities and success and things like that and what they used to mean to him and what they mean to him now. Okay, so let, let me make a little correction before we j- jump into this. In Philippians 3, the context of what's going on here, Paul is combating these, um, these false teachers who were, were creeping in the church and they were teaching that they could earn righteousness through their good works. They could earn righteousness through their, through their own uh, flesh. And so Paul was combating them and saying, you can never earn righteousness on your own. Okay? We know that at salvation, we, we realize we can't do it on our own. We need a Savior. And so we give our sin to, God, to, to Jesus, and he took upon him the sin of the world on the cross. And in return, he gives us his righteousness. So it's not a righteousness of our own. So that's what Paul is combating here. But it's also a cool little worldly resume that Paul sets up for us, for us to look at. And I think we can, we can learn from his mistakes, if you will. Okay? So that, that's kind of where we're going. The context is about salvation and righteousness through, through faith alone. But this morning, I want us to, to kind of get a, an example of Paul's life and learn, okay, these identities that Paul had, where, where were his mistakes? And, and how does that relate to us? How is it relevant to us? And how does that go, push us moving forward? What, what do we do now as believers? What, how do we look at things now? Okay, everyone on the same page? We good? Good. All right. So if, and I'm going to pick up in verse 4, and then we're going to kind of quickly go through these verses, and then I'm going to wrap it up, and we'll be done. All right? Verse 4. This is Paul. He says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. Remember, he's telling this church, Hey, you're, you're trying to put confidence in your flesh and all your good works to earn righteousness. And guess what? I also could do that. Matter of fact, look what he says. He says, if anyone else thinks they have or he has reasons for confidence in the flesh, I have more. So Paul essentially 
what he's saying is, hey, if you think that you have this awesome resume that's going to earn God's love and get your way into heaven, guess what? Bro, I have way more than that. Like, you thought you were good, cool stuff. I was a big deal, is what Paul is saying here. Was, past tense, okay? Look at what he says. He gives this resume to them so they could understand his mindset and where he's coming from. Verse 5, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, which essentially just means that he was a true Jew, that he was born into a Jewish family. He wasn't a proselyte Jew. He wasn't circumcised later in life. He, he was born uh, through a ritual, and, and, and he was a true Jew, okay? That's what he's saying. He's, he, he's building up his case that, that he was one who could really put confidence in his flesh. He keeps going on. He says, not only that, he was of the tribe of Benjamin, which was a big deal if you were a Jew to come from the lineage of the tribe of Benjamin because they were one of the few tribes that actually um, were well-respected in the Jewish community. It's like growing up, I grew up in Florida. I was born into a family that were Gator fans, University of Florida, the pinnacle uh, college of the state, right? You know, 4-0 right now, top 10 team in the country, whatever. Um, and then we had some friends who were born into a family and they liked Florida State Seminoles. Brandon Hayes, by the way. Um, and we would just look at him like, dude, I'm sorry, man. You're a Florida State fan. That's kind of what they would do. Oh, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. You're from the other tribe? Pfft. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. They, it held a weight to it, a respect. So he's like, I'm a circumcised on the eighth day. I was born as a true Jew, a true Jew, and my lineage is better than yours. Okay, he keeps going. He says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, simply meaning that he was just a this pinnacle of, of what the Jews would look up to. He was like the poster child, if you will. Okay? It's important to realize, so what can we take from this first part of what Paul's talking about? Paul was essentially telling them, hey, you can't find, you, you can't find uh, righteousness through uh, who you are, essentially. So I think for us as believers today, to make this relevant for us, is you'll never be able to find your identity, or you're never meant to find your identity in who you are as a person. I know some of you, um, and what the worldly standards may tell you, if you're born into a, a affluent family, a rich family, um, if you have connections with people, essentially what we can learn is it doesn't matter uh, who your mom and dad is. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor or middle class. It none of those things matter. I, I sadly believe, really believe that many people still find their identities in who the world thinks that they are because of who they were born into and what kind of weight their family holds. I know with, um, in a social media world, uh, it's, 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 this is, we're bombarded by this. We, we look at other people's lives, and when we get on social media, we see the best in people. Like, we, we see them taking vacations. We see them uh, doing all these crazy, uh, like, awesome things, and we think, man, my life's just not that cool, right? And, 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 and social media can be a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Um, it, it can definitely be a good thing to be used for good, but I also believe that it, it, it's, it's damaging to us. And I think it's dangerous and it's downright exhausting trying to keep up with trying to be this person that you were never meant to be. I think it's not only damaging to yourself, but others as well. Scripture tells us that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your worth is not in what people think about you, but what God thinks about you. And you know how much you're worth to God? this much. Jesus 
outstretched his arms on the cross because he loves you. Romans 5, 8 said, God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So even though God knew that you were going to be a sinner, he created you in his image and loved you enough to die for you so that he could have a right relationship with you. You're worth so much more than what social media tells you. You're worth so much more than what your family thinks about you. You're worth so much more than you think about you. Let's keep reading. i got to finish up here. All right? Everybody good? We're tracking along good? All right, I'm almost done, I promise. All right? So he keeps on going. So he sets up kind of who he is as, as, as a person. But then he keeps going. He says, as to the law, I was a Pharisee. Okay? So he went to, like, law school. He, he, he knew the law. He knew the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. Like, he, he knew all the laws, the, all the man-made laws, all the ritual laws, all the ceremonial laws. The Levitical, he knew everything. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, okay? He's saying all the things that you thought you knew, I knew more, okay? He was like a Harvard grad, okay? Keep reading. Not only was he a Pharisee, he says, as to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. One uh, big, uh, I'm trying to, word I'm looking for, um, one, one thing that the Jews really aspire to do is to be zealous. It's, it's, it's to, to in front of people. And so they, they want to, uh, you have the, like the wailing wall, and they're like very uh, charismatic. And, and, and when it comes to the doing the laws, they, they put up these, sh- these very sharp guidelines and guardrails. that, they, they, that they're, they're zealous. And Paul is saying, I was zealous about persecuting the church, which is like the top thing. We, we, if you read through the book of Acts, you see Paul was, was killing Christians. He was... He was um, setting up killings for, for, for Christians, including Stephen, who was our, the first martyr that we read about in Scripture. And so Paul was even a persecutor of the church. He was like the top guy. He keeps going. He says, as to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. Essentially what he's saying, when it came to the law, I was pretty much perfect. Okay? I, I, I was the man that everyone looked up to, like, man, this guy has it all. He's like, again, he's like the poster child. And that's what Paul was showing in his resume to them. And I really believe a lot of us today, and you may not be like that, but, but I really believe a lot of us are still identifying in who we are morally, right? Maybe how we vote, okay? Which is a good thing, don't get me wrong, and we're going to get to that. Or maybe you, I grew up in church, I'm a good person, I'm a good boss or I'm a good employee. And again, all those things are good. But if those are your identities, then you're missing out on what God really wants for you. And just like Paul, um, man, he had a resume of resumes. He, he was the guy that everyone aspired and looked up to, to, to wanting to be. So let's, let's look at Paul's outlook real quick as I finish here. So what can we learn from Paul about all these, this, this resume, all these worldly identities that he had? Look with me in verse 7 and 8, and I love this. This is so awesome. So he gives you this long resume and everything. He says, man, if anyone could have confidence in themselves, in their own identities, in their own success, it would be me. But, verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. This is why, for the sake of Christ. Whatever gain Paul had in the worldly identities, he counts them as lost. He doesn't even care about them even more. For the sake of Christ. 
Indeed, in verse 8, indeed I counted everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. Count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Y'all, look at me. All these worldly successes and identity that the world throws at you you that you have to be, if you're finding your identity, and I'm preaching to myself here, if if we are finding our identity in these things, it's going to be hard to find your identity also in Christ and the riches and, and, and what that really means as we just look at to be in Christ. There's so much more. And what, and what Paul's saying, I count all that as lost for the surpassing worth of just knowing Christ and just having a relationship with him. And we know Paul is someone who obviously, obviously had a, an awesome relationship with Christ and lived, lived his life for Christ. His identity was truly in Christ. I think it's a good example for us to look at and to understand what our identity is and how we can live that out. So here's where it comes full circle. So here's why understanding what our identity is is important. And here's why uh, it's important not only for us personally to grow in our relationship with the Lord, but also for others outside of these walls. If we want to be a church who is living on mission with God, this is his church, and reaching not only Lubbock, but the world, which is our statement that we have here at the church. If we want to really do that, we must start with the foundation and understanding that our true identity is in Christ and not the world. We have to look different from the world. As believers, we are image bearers of Christ to the lost and dying world around us. And we can't expect others to see Christ in us if we are bearing another image to them, we distort that view to them. I remember, um, I'm asked the band to go ahead and come up. Um, but I remember in high school, I, I, I didn't grow up going to church. And so I, good family, good, I love my parents. They're awesome, incredible people, morally good. Um, but we didn't grow up going to church. And so my, my idea of church was who, these people who said that they were Christians. So that, they identified as churchgoers, if you will. And what I found out in high school, when I would go to these parties or I'd go hang out um, and, and, and do things uh, that, was, that w- was worldly, those same guys and, and, and girls who identified as churchgoers were at these same parties. And so my whole outlook on what the church was was like, I don't want any part of that. That's fake. That's not genuine. I don't, like, I, I, don't want, I don't want that. I don't know what I want, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking for something because God created a void in me. To, to find my identity in him alone, but it wasn't that. They went to church every single week, but it, their life wasn't changed, and they weren't changing anybody else's life. And I, I, I remember meeting Brandon in high school, and I'm going to brag on Brandon a little bit, and he was genuine. He was real. He was a churchgoer, but he walked the walk. He talked the talk. That man loved Jesus, still does. Just The, the guy you see today was the guy I saw in high school, and I was like, that's what I want. That's what I've been looking for. Whatever his identity is in, he is safe and secure, and he is resting in that, and, and I am just lost and looking for that. I, I didn't know exactly what it was, but I was like, I, I need to attach myself to this guy. And sure enough, man, he started inviting me to church. He met me where I was at. He started loving me in my sin, helping me, heard the gospel, responded to it as a senior in high school, and God radically changed my life. Change my identity. 
And it just makes me think, as a church, how we are image bearers to the world, but sometimes we look so much like the world that people can't even see Christ in us. People can't see that genuineness that they're looking for. This is good, y'all. This is, listen to this. God made us who we are so we could make known who he is. Our identity is for the sake of making known his identity. Y'all understand that? This is where it comes full circle. It's good for us to find our identity in Christ because the things of this world are going to come and we can rest in Jesus and, and not have to give in to all this sin and temptation and worldly successes. But the best part of that is, and here's where it comes full circle, we were made for God's pleasure and his glory. We were made to, to be image bearers for his glory. But the problem is we, we're hardwired by God to, to get our identity vertically, but we look horizontally for it. We, we look at the things in creation for our, our identity instead of looking to the one who created everything, the creator. We are not something because of our successes. We are only something because of those two words. We are in Christ. That's our true identity in Christ, not the world. And if we're going to be a church that reaches the lost and be image bearers of Christ, we have to find our true identity in Christ alone. Nothing else. So I'm going to enter into a time of response. If you're a believer here this morning, what an awesome opportunity we have now to one, to repent if we've been finding our identities in anything else but Christ. We can repent and say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me, help me find my identity every day in you. Help me rest in that. Help me find uh, grace and mercy in that. And then help me be image bearers. God, put, give me opportunities to bear your image to others. Maybe you're here this morning, and this is all kind of like news to you. And in and, and, and 2 Corinthians 5, where I was talking about how we are a new creation, the old is gone, behold, the new has come. In verse 21 of that, Paul says that he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. So here's what that looks like. I'm going to give you a quick illustration so before I became a believer in Christ, so let's say before my senior year of high school, when God looked at me, I identified as a sinner separated from God. I was guilty of my sin. And so imagine this book is a book of every sin I've ever committed, okay? It'd be a lot bigger than this, obviously. Um, don't laugh. I'm just kidding. Um, but when God looked at me, that's what he saw, okay? Now, when I heard the gospel as a senior in high school, God didn't want to leave me there, so he sent his son, Jesus. So when I heard the gospel that Jesus could take my sin away and forgive me and make me a new creation and give me a new identity, it blew my mind because that's what I was looking for. And guess what? Jesus came, died on the cross for my sin. I gave him my sin, okay? He took upon him the sin of the world. He took my sin upon him. And guess what? The great exchange is what we call it. It's so cool. Jesus in return for taking my sin, gives me his righteousness. He imputes his righteousness to believers and to me. And so now, when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sin that I'm guilty of. 
though I still sin, right? He sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus, and that is my identity. And I don't know where you're at spiritually. I don't know if you've ever, ever had a time in your life where you've repented of your sin, you've placed your faith and hope and trust in Jesus and the finished work of the cross. But this morning, I want to give you some good news. You can do that right here. I want to tell you that God loves you. He sent his son, Jesus. He, he came from heaven to live a perfect life, to live a life that you could never live, to die a death that you could never die, and to pay a debt that we could never pay. And he's here this morning to offer you grace and salvation through Jesus. But you just have to accept that free gift of the gospel. And so in a moment, we're going to sing a song in response. I'm going to be standing right back here at this table. I would love to talk with you about what scripture says, how you can become a child of God, how you can have a new identity. Please come back there and meet. I'd love to meet you, talk with you about that. Maybe if you want me to pray with you, I'd love to do that as well. But whatever the Lord's asking you to do right now, let's respond and what he's calling us to do now. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the Venue Podcast.